Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled Titus, Conduct Toward Those Outside the Church, Part 3. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning international audience. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please check out our show notes for links to our home website and other information you may want to know. Or, our show notes are found with every episode. We are located on 22 platforms. Check out this list under the podcast menu item on our homepage, unchurched.site123.me. Last week, March 7th, we examined the second part of Conduct Toward Those Outside the Church. In part two of this subject, we learned we are to be showing complete courtesy, meekness to all people, all men. That means men, women, and all people, regardless of anything that can be used as a form of prejudice. That prejudice needs to be dealt with where it exists. If God created all peoples, why is prejudice of any kind a problem for Christ's people? We also learned word meanings for courtesy and meekness that we do not normally use today in our modern-day world, leastwise in America. When we looked at word meanings for courtesy, we found it to mean elegance or politeness of manners, especially politeness connected with kindness and civility. We also examined meekness. Meekness was not a more polite word for scared or coward as it typically is used in America today. Meekness, we found, means softness of temper, mildness, gentleness, forbearance, humility, resignation, submission to the divine will, without murmuring or peevishness, opposed to pride, arrogance, and a character showing or characterized by obstinate resistance to authority. Is not God our authority? Do we say, I am saved in public, and then do and say everything in private to effectively prove otherwise? This week, we continue further our deeper study of this scripture passage in the book of Titus. This week, we see that our being saved in him is a deliberate act and intent on his part. We need only do one thing, to be saved of Christ, of God our Father, simply by asking for that salvation with a sincere willingness to receive it and live it through. 
Let us dig in. In Scripture we read, But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not by works of righteousness that we have done, but on the basis of his mercy through the washing of the new birth and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us in full measure through Jesus Christ our Savior. And so, since we have been justified by his grace, we become heirs with the confident expectation of eternal life. From Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. Did you notice what that last verse said? We become heirs with the confident expectation of eternal life. Heirs? A confident expectation of eternal life? That is a hugely bold statement that carries with it great certainty. Is our salvation in Christ as certain as it appears here in the words of the book of Titus? To answer that question, we need to gain a certainty of this statement, whether definitive or not. We need to find out either way. Commentary helps us here with, It is the misery of sinners that they hate one another, and it is the duty and happiness of saints to love one another. And we are delivered out of our miserable condition only by the mercy and free grace of God, the merit and sufferings of Christ, and the working of His Spirit. God the Father is God, our Savior. From Matthew Henry's Concise Commentary on the Whole Bible, Public Domain. Commentary further states, to show how little reason the Cretan Christians had to be proud of themselves and despise others not Christians. It is to the kindness and love of God, not to their own merits, that they owe salvation. From Robert Jameson, A. R. Fawcett, and David Brown Commentary, Critical and Explanatory on the Whole Bible, 1871. Now, let's continue in commentary by defining a few words. Kindness, in Greek, goodness, benignity, meaning, the quality or condition of being kind and gentle, the quality of being benign, favorable attitude which manifests his grace. Love, toward man teaching us to have such love, benevolence, toward man, in Greek, philanthropy, showing all meekness unto all men, even as God had toward man, opposed to the hateful and hating characteristics of unrenewed men, whose wretchedness moved God's benevolent kindness. Of God our Savior, in the Greek, namely, the Father who saved us through Jesus Christ our Savior.
from Robert Jameson, A.R. Fawcett, and David Brown Commentary, Critical and Explanatory on the Whole Bible, 1871. That gives us a lot to start this deeper study with, so let us look. Notice the first sentence in Matthew Henry's commentary passage. It read, It is the misery of sinners that they hate one another, and it is the duty and happiness of saints to love one another. If we are unsaved, it is our misery that we hate one another. Many might wonder how this can be. It is because it is a simmering hatred waiting for opportunity. It is one reason why we do things in the heat of a moment. Then we wonder why we did what it was that has now become a question of our actions and or behavior in our heart, our mind, or all of the above. Now, notice this. The second half of that sentence said this, and it is the duty and happiness of saints to love one another. Did you notice that opening of the second half of the sentence? And it is the duty. For a clearer picture, duty means a task or action that a person is bound to perform for moral or legal reasons, respect or obedience due to a superior, older persons, etc. Filial duty, the force that binds one morally or legally to one's obligations. From the Free Dictionary by Farlex. Please note, our obligations are imposed on us by Scripture and what we hear God say to us when we are in prayer, listening to Him. We can see also, obedience, respect, and kindness to parents are duties of children. Fidelity to friends is a duty. Reverence, obedience, and prayer to God are indispensable duties. The government and religious instruction of children are duties of parents which they cannot neglect without guilt. Forbearance of that which is forbid by morality, law, justice, or property. It is our duty to refrain from lewdness, intemperance, profaneness, and injustice. From Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary of American English, Public Domain. It has to be extremely clear our duty as born-again Christians is that we are not talking about anything as our duty that is negotiable or requiring our ability to choose or deny it. At the very least, this means there is no room for debate in loving one another. So, what is meant by that in Scripture and commentary? Simply, our brothers and sisters in Christ? Or, anyone regardless of their state of salvation? 
I think the following quote from Christianity.com explains this well. It reads, The short and simple answer as to why we are called to love one another is found in John chapter 13, verse 35. It reads, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So, what else is there to say? Well, plenty. What is meant by called? Jesus was talking to the eleven disciples, so how do we know this applies to us today? What did Jesus mean? Who are we to love? Why is love so important? How are we to do this? To answer the question of why we are called, we need to read it in its context, which includes the preceding verse. A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. From John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. The word call means to call into action, to summon. Jesus used the word command, which is a bit stronger. The word command in the original Greek means an injunction, ordinance, or law. Jesus was not only summoning with an authoritative order, but he was also instituting a new law to replace the law of Moses, the law of love. We are called to love one another, so we'll walk in the new law of love. Who is called? Jesus gave the command following the Last Supper and after Judas had left to betray him. This left Jesus with the remaining eleven men who had chosen to follow him. Jesus' words were that everyone will know you are my disciples by following his command. This means the command is issued to all who would call themselves a disciple of Christ. Everyone who calls themselves a follower of Christ is called to walk in love. I think that quote firms our preliminary thinking, even before that quote from Christianity.com. So, if we are only commanded to love other believers, both in and outside our church of attendance, what does that mean for those in our life that we know are unsaved and quite possibly outside the church at large? Can we be, in a justified way, curt, short-tempered, frustrated with, and or just plain rude with those who are unsaved that we know or come in contact with in the course of everyday life? If you do not know the answer to that question, what does your Bible tell you to do in this regard? What have we learned in this study thus far? This study or not, the simple answer is, you cannot win the unsaved to Christ without some form of love that induces respect for them in such a way they can see they lack something real important in their life that they need. 
we can witness in love to unsaved people while not joining in their sinful life. We can join them for coffee, when and where it is safe, if it is safe at all, to do in pandemic times. No one should put themselves at risk of acquiring coronavirus or COVID-19. Alternatively, we can use video conferencing tools like Skype or Discuss to do the same thing. Brew some coffee and drink with a person on video conference that way. Let's use the available tools to do incredible things for Christ. Please note, I am not recommending Skype or Discuss in a commercial or private sense. They are merely two free communication tools on the top of my mind. I am not in any way commercially or otherwise recommending them in the form of an endorsement. I mention them as making point of useful tools for solving present problems in discussion form only. Continuing, verse 5 reads, He saved us not by works of righteousness that we have done, but on the basis of His mercy through the washing of the new birth and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Remember verse 4, 5, and 6 in some Bibles, like mine, are all one long sentence. So, verse 5 is the middle of that sentence. Notice the last portion of verse 5. It reads, Through the washing of the new birth and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. There are two thoughts there. The washing of the new birth is one thought, then with the word and, the second thought is the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Commentary explains this with, We are delivered out of our miserable condition only by the mercy and free grace of God, the merit and sufferings of Christ, and the working of His Spirit. God the Father is God our Savior. He is the fountain from which the Holy Spirit flows to teach, regenerate, and save his fallen creatures. And this blessing comes to mankind through Christ. The spring and rise of it is the kindness and love of God to man. Love and grace have, through the Spirit, great power to change and turn the heart to God. Works must be in the saved, but are not among the causes of their salvation. A new principle of grace and holiness is wrought, which sways and governs and makes the man a new creature. Most pretend they have heaven at last, yet they care not for holiness now they would have the end without the beginning. Here is the outward sign and seal thereof in baptism called, therefore, the washing of regeneration. The work is inward and spiritual. This is outwardly signified and sealed in this ordinance. From Matthew Henry's Concise Commentary on the Whole Bible. 
public domain. We need to notice three things here. 1. Commentary read. Works must be in the save, but are not among the causes of their salvation. Clearly, as saved people of Christ, we need to do good works to promote life in Christ while not also believing this action somehow makes us saved in Christ. It clearly does not. Notice point two. Commentary said, A new principle of grace and holiness is wrought, which sways and governs and makes the man a new creature. You might read right over the phrase, which sways. What does it mean to sway someone to salvation? It means to gently bend them toward that decision for Christ to be invited into their life without force. I have seen many Americans witness with great force and intensity that someone come to the believing salvation of Christ. However, the greater that force and insistence, the greater the person being witnessed to resists it. 3. Commentary also said, Most pretend they would have heaven at last, yet they care not for holiness now. They would have the end without the beginning. That is the bottom line on this subject. No matter how you try to work it, this is the bottom line. Most pretend they would have heaven at last, yet they care not for holiness now. They would have the end without the beginning. Verse 6 and 7 read, Whom he poured out on us in full measure through Jesus Christ our Savior. And so, since we have been justified by his grace, we become heirs with the confident expectation of eternal life. Commentary on verse 6 and 7 reads, Justification, in the gospel sense, is the free forgiveness of a sinner, accepting him as righteous through the righteousness of Christ received by faith. God, in justifying a sinner in the way of the gospel, is gracious to him, yet just to himself and his law. As forgiveness is through a perfect righteousness, and sanctification is made to justice by Christ, it cannot be merited by the sinner himself. Eternal life is set before us in the promise. The Spirit works faith in us and hope of that life. Faith and hope bring it near and fill with joy in expectation of it. From Matthew Henry's Concise Commentary on the Whole Bible, Public Domain. I think that commentary passage says it all and sums up this study well. Today, right now, 
Where are you? Are you unsaved and pretending to be saved? Are you saved and just pretending in church while living an unchanged life outside the church? Where are you and what are you doing even in pandemic times? For Christ! Time is very short and the redeeming of his own is closer now than ever before. It's time, while you have time left, to make a choice and a stand. Then, in the love of Christ, do the good works of the gospel in the name of Christ to bring others out of darkness, error, and a sinful life. Show them the path into eternal life by how you made a choice and a stand. Next week, we will look at God's grace in Titus chapter 3. This is very important as we have received that grace if we are saved in him. Again, Titus, we believe, gives us what is a good and relevant study in this leading time to Easter. Play or download next week's episode, Titus, The Grace of God Towards Mankind, from one of our podcast hosts. Or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. Also, please check our show notes for links to our website and other information you may want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled How to Be Saved at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled Introduction About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. We are located at this internet address, unchurched.site one two three dot m e at present we are located on 22 podcast sites so you should be able to find us on a platform you like we refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on sundays 
These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.